We welcome everyone to Tour Today Ministries and our continuing series called Parsha Seasonings, where we bring out some details that are not so obvious in the English translations of our Torah portions. And this week we find ourselves in Torah portion Ha'atzinu, which is Deuteronomy chapter 32, just one chapter, the shortest Torah portion in the Torah, and one of my favorites. This Torah portion contains what is called the Song of Moses. Now, some people mistakenly think that Exodus 15, the Song of the Sea, is the Song of Moses, but it isn't. That's the Song of the Sea that the people sang when they crossed the Red Sea. But the Song of Moses is something that is quite unique and quite different. And it's written in a very unusual way in the Torah scroll. Now, this Song of Moses is referred to in the book of Revelation, where it says, And they sing the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb. I love this verse because it shows that the life of Yeshua, the teachings of Yeshua, and the teachings of Moses, the Torah, go together. They are hand in glove. They're two sides of one menorah. And to throw out the one, to embrace the other, is simply ridiculous. And we are to sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb, Yeshua, the Son of God, the Messiah. And we're going to come back to this verse at the end of the teaching, because there's a lot more going on with this verse than meets the eye. But let's get right into our Torah portion. If you look at a Torah scroll and the way that this Torah portion appears, you can see it looks quite different. So let me explain what's going on. Here at the top, we see the end part of Vayelech, last week's Torah portion. And it ends right here. This is the last word. And that's where Vayelech ends. And this is where Ha'atzino begins, right here. There's the word Ha'atzinu which comes from the word ozen, which means ears. It means give ear, listen to what I'm about to say. And as you can see, the Torah scroll records the Song of Moses in two very narrow columns. And we'll continue this way from verse 40, I'm sorry, verse 1 through verse 43. And the way it works is this. It's a poem. A song is a type of poem. But Hebrew poetry doesn't rhyme in sound, it rhymes in meanings. It has rhyming thoughts. So here on the right, you have the first line of the poem. And then on the left, you have the matching line, the line that completes the thought. And sometimes a verse in chapter 32, half the verse will be in the right column, half the verse will be in the left. Sometimes it will be the right and the left matching, and then the right and the left that completes the verse. So sometimes a verse is a right and a left section. Sometimes a verse is a right and a left, another right and a left. But my point is, is that whatever thought is begun on the right side of the column, that thought is completed on the left side of the column. But then something very unusual happens. Here in verse 6, 
we see a large letter hay just hanging out there all by itself. But the letter hay is not a word. The letter hay is like the letter H in English. It's just a and the rabbis say this is God's sigh. He comes to verse 6 and he goes, oh, what, like, what am I going to do with you? It's like a mom or a dad when the kids are acting up or they come home and the kids have burst the feather pillows and they've uh, spilled over the fish aquarium and, and they go, oh. and that's, that's what God is doing here. And this verse 6 says this, Do you thus repay Adonai, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? And I have the word father there in bold because this is the first place in the Bible where God is called father. And there's the word there, avicha, which is actually your father. So here, God is truly behaving like an exasperated father. And it's like, what am I going to do with you? But it continues on for a while this way. Right column, beginning a thought. Left column, completing the thought. But when you get down to verse 15, something strange happens. In verse 15, that switches Everything goes out of order. The thoughts begin on the left side and then they're completed on the right. Then it starts another thought, completes on the right. Everything's backwards. It's out of order. And if you look at verse 15, this is what it says. Yeshurun became fat and kicked. Yeshurun is a name for Israel. It means those who are straight. Yeshar means to go straight. And Yeshurun means the straight ones. But he's saying, but they went crooked. Yeshurun became fat and kicked. You became fat. You became thick. You became corpulent. And it deserted God its maker and was contemptuous of the rock of its salvation. And it continues like this, offset all the way up until verse 39. And when you get to verse 39... Things go back the way they're supposed to be. Thoughts begin on the right side, then they're completed on the left. Things go back into order. Because in verse 39, this is what it says. See now that I, I am he, and no God is with me. I put to death and I bring life. I inflict wounds and I will heal. And there is no rescuer from my hand. For I shall raise my hand to heaven and say, as I live forever. And it goes on. So everything from verse 15 up until verse 39, God is describing a people who should be Yeshar, should be Yesharin, but they've gone crooked. They've rebelled. They were like spoiled children who forgot their rock. They forgot their father. And they lived like a people without understanding. And so what happens, we see the right and left flipping. But when you get to verse 39, things go back the way they should be. Thoughts begin on the right, and then they're completed on the left. In this section where Israel's rebellion 
is described, we come to verse 18. And I point it out because this has something unusual going on in the Hebrew and the Torah scroll. The verse reads, you ignored the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. That word you ignored is the word teshi in Hebrew. You can see it there. But you'll notice that the final letter, the letter Yud, is written very, very small. It's the smallest letter of the alphabet to start with. It uh, is the, the letter that Yeshua refers to that not one jot, one Yud, will pass from the Torah. And here it's made smaller yet. The letter Yud being the smallest letter of the alphabet and the only one suspended up in the air. It does not have a, a base to it like other Hebrew letters do. It always represents the Holy Spirit. And it's appropriate here that this letter representing the Holy Spirit is shrunk down as if God's Spirit has been reduced in His people because they ignored the rock that bore them. You know, the, the presence of God's Spirit in our, our lives and the, the power of God's Spirit in our lives is very close connected to our remembering who God is, remembering who we are, remembering what God has done. And if we remember and meditate on who God is and all His mighty works, and His grace and His love, then God's Spirit finds in us a vessel which it can fill. But as we forget who God is and what He's done, then our vessel shrinks and the Holy Spirit grows small in our lives. I encourage you, make your life a life of prayer. And by prayer, I don't mean just asking God for things. That's okay to ask for things. He loves it when his children come to ask things from him. But true prayer is praising him, rehearsing his attributes, magnifying his name, reading the ancient prayers of Israel, praying them, making your own, where you're truly praising him and rehearsing the things that he has done through history and the things he's done for you and me. Ah, then our awareness of him expands you could say that the Yud in our lives, the Holy Spirit in our lives, expands as well. Now, I want to bring something to mind that I found fascinating. Something I just discovered last year. And if you want to go back to the, uh, the teaching I did on Ha'atzinu last year in 2021, I encourage you to do that. But I want to bring out this, this point because it's so very, very important. This is the song of Moses, and a song is something that is sung. But when we read about this song at the end of last week's Torah portion, and then at the end of this week's Torah portion as well, we don't see it ever sung. In Deuteronomy 31, 19, God tells Moses, Now therefore write this song for yourselves. I'm sorry, God's speaking to Moses. Moses is saying this. Now, therefore, write this song for yourselves and teach it to the sons of Israel. So they're to write it. And then in verse 22, so Moses wrote this song the same day. In verse 30, then Moses spoke the words, not saying, but he spoke the words of this song in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel. And then at the end of this week's portion, in verse 44, that Moses came and spoke all the words of the song in the hearing of the people, he with Joshua, the son of Nun. But nowhere 
Nowhere in the Torah portion or in the remaining chapters of the Torah do we see this song sung. And if you go on to the book of Joshua and Judges and Ruth and right on through the rest of the Tanakh, you don't see this song sung. And then you come to the Gospels and Acts and Paul's writings. We still don't see the song sung. Not until Revelation. It says, and then they sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Why is it the song isn't sung until the Lamb comes and invades the world? Hmm. That's something to think about. Well, at the risk of robbing you of the opportunity of discovering this principle for yourself, I'm going to move on. You know, most great songs, many great songs, uh, the song is not written by one person. It's written by two. One person writes the lyrics. Another person writes the melody. We have the great musicals by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Rodgers wrote the music. Hammerstein wrote the lyrics. And we have uh, Lerner and Lowe. One wrote the music. One wrote the lyrics. And um, there are other great uh, uh, duos in musical history. I, I think of um, George and Ira Gershwin, who are brothers. George wrote the music, Ira wrote the lyrics. And that is what we have here. In Deuteronomy 32, God gives us the lyrics for the song. But Messiah provides the melody. So I put here the lyrics were given through Moses. And so they could write the lyrics, they could memorize the lyrics, they could study the lyrics, but Messiah is the music. Messiah is the melody that makes those lyrics come to life. Think about it for a second. When you read the lyrics for a song, they can be beautiful and moving. But when they're put to the appropriate music, really good music, perfect music that fits the lyrics, the lyrics come to life. Because you see, lyrics are static. Lyrics don't change. Lyrics do not vary at all. The lyrics are the lyrics are the lyrics. And the melody doesn't change, but the music can go from just a person singing a solo a cappella to a person singing the same lyrics, but this time accompanied by a guitar, to a person singing the lyrics, but also being sung by a choir, so you have soprano and alto and tenor and bass. And then the choir can be accompanied by a full orchestra, still the same lyrics, still the same melody. But look how dynamic it is, because when it comes to the music, it can be someone humming the tune, singing the lyrics while they go about their housework. Or it can be an angelic choir with an angelic orchestra singing the same melody, the same lyrics. The music is dynamic. The melody is dynamic. And when Yeshua comes along 
And in Revelation, we will sing the song of Moses, the lyrics we have already, and the song of the Lamb. Singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb is something that to a degree we can do already. Now, there are some people who have the Torah, but they don't know Messiah yet. So they have the lyrics. They don't know the music. There are others who have Messiah, but they reject the Torah for whatever reason, whatever bad teaching they have, they've rejected the Torah. And they're trying to figure out how to take the joy they have through Messiah and put it into words, how to live it out, how to express it properly. And oftentimes they do a pretty poor job of expressing this joy and this music they have in their lives. But when we put the two together, ah, something really magical happens. So I encourage you, if you tend to focus on the Torah, but kind of push Yeshua to the side, bring the music and, and put the lyrics to that music. If you tend to embrace Yeshua, God bless you. But if you're trying to figure out how to express this joy, this love that you feel from God and you feel toward Him, take the Torah. Bring the Torah in. So you're, you're, you're putting the right lyrics to the music and you're expressing this joy in the way that God would have you to. Can you see how the two fit together? The lyrics and the music. That's the song of Moses and of the Lamb. There's so much more we could say about this, but I'm going to stop it here. And I hope that through this week, and uh, today happens to be Rosh Hashanah 2021, and I hope in the coming new year, you will truly learn to sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. God bless you. Until next time, I wish you shalom and God bless. The end.